Hey folks, it's Richard Harrison, Scott Lease with another episode of Surf and Sales Podcast, special edition where we have no guests, it's just the two of us and we're just going to riff on some ideas today and see where this conversation takes us. There's no real specific agenda for frame of reference. It's uh, April the 14th, 2020. So we are all uh, stuck at home in the midst of our corona getting lockdown. So we hope everybody is safe, happy, and healthy uh, with you, your friends, and your family. So, Scott, where do you want to kick this off? I don't know, man. I'm uh, hoping that people in Austin, Texas, take this seriously enough. It's some Too many kids are riding around the street, run, running into each other. Some kid fell off his bike and smashed into my 10 year old. So now I'm, you know, I'm on heightened alert. Let's just right. say so right. none of us are, are fully safe or immune from this whole situation right now, no matter how well you're trying to adhere to lockdown, I guess. Yeah. So. It's, it's tough teaching. You know, it's one thing to expect adults to have personal responsibility. It's another getting 10, 10 you know, 10, 11 and 12 year old kids to get it. Yeah. Much less, right. much less even the toddler. Yeah. And this was like a five-year-old kid, right? It's like, right. how am I supposed to explain to this kid and, and even my 10-year-old, like how all this stuff works, right. you know? Right. I don't know. It's going to be, going to be, I, do, what do you think is going to happen when we're able to go back to quote unquote normal? Like, is, 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 is it going to be normal? Or are people going to like sprint out of their house to go back to normal? Or are people going to be real hesitant to go back to normal? I, I think, um, I think people are going to be first going to sprint out of the house to go do something local, which is good, right? Go to that restaurant, go out to dinner, go to a movie, um, which I think is good. The economy needs that. That's good for all these small businesses. Um, hopefully they've been able to hang on. I think that's a good thing. I think there will be, uh, you know, for lack of a better phrase, some street parties happening where people are just happy to be outside and say hello to a neighbor and hug their neighbor. Um, I think travel will come back slowly. I think you and I were talking the other day that I read an article that made sense that people are going to go on sort of driving vacations first. There's this fear of getting into the airport and an airplane, but you know, if you can get in the car and drive somewhere for three hours, like, you know, we may drive up, you know, take our boys up to Yosemite or some national park or some camping thing that's, yeah. you know, outdoors. You think, you think, you think RV, you think RV sales is going to go up? Yeah, I think RV. I think people are going to do a lot of RVing this summer once once it's been lifted. Um, I think that'll be that'll be a fun one, um, which I also find ironic because on one hand you've been stuck at home for months, yeah. with these people, and now you're going to get into an even smaller confined space. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where you can't get away. You can't go into another room, yeah. right? So, um, but I but I think it's it'll be it'll be interesting. I also think it'll, it'll hopefully people will value friendships and family more. Um, I think the zoom calls are going to stick around, right? Like I know you've done happy hours and I think you've, you and I've talked about, you yeah, know, you're gonna, you keep it going, right? Why wouldn't you at this point? Um, well, the only reason why I, I might think that it won't is because people are going to go back to their old routine, right? Like I'm doing all, I'm doing all these online events and happy hours and stuff because I don't, I, I, I'm at home. If we go back to normal, like I'm going to have kids have soccer practice, baseball practice, basketball practice, games, all this kind of stuff. So that, that time block will be 
redistributed, you know? Right. I don't know. That's true. That's true. I do think maybe, the maybe with family, maybe with family yeah. and friends, it'll stick more though. Yeah. But I do think too, though, but you know, it'll become, it'll almost become like the pop-up shops, you know, how every now and then you read about this sort of retail pop-up shop. I think there'll be a, you know, a pop-up happy hour. Right. And, um, and folks can just sort of establish one and make it happen. I think businesses would be wise to create this happy hour. I had somebody this week say, Richard, you know, we're trying to do our online webinars and Q and A with our CEO, but you know, we're missing that ability to host a happy hour after the event. I'm like, no, you're not like yeah, just no, host not. it as virtual. It's actually, it's actually almost like, easier in some ways. It, yeah. It's, it's virtual. Do it that way. Um, make people register for, either the event and the happy hour, because maybe some people can't go to the event, but they'd like to come to the happy hour, right? Have a, a loose structure, but leave it as more of a Q&A. And you got to make your keynote still show up to the happy hour, right? Um, but don't call it, you know, he emailed me back. He said, well, can we call it a, a post-session Q&A? And I'm like, no, it needs to be more casual, right? Obviously, you can answer questions, but, you know, I think it's a chance for, people to get to personally know that that CEO who just hosted that webinar, right? Uh, let that CEO be show some vulnerability or maybe talk about something that just, you know, what it takes to be a CEO, just something different. Right. So, yeah. so I think yeah. those things will still happen. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, they've been, they've been around a while, but it'll be interesting to see how they actually play out. Right. Um, because to a certain extent you can get sponsorships for those and it's a whole lot cheaper to get someone to pay you a thousand dollars for this than $25,000 for a booth. Yeah. yeah. Right. Way cheaper. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think surf and sales is going to sell out of course. Right. I think we know that. I mean, I, I'm kind of hoping that people are so desperate to, uh, get out of their house and go on vacation that we, we can get yeah. ourselves stuck in Costa Rica for like a month straight and just, I know we have to do two or three of them back to back two or three in a row. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, I, think, I think the uh, I think the commercial real estate business is in big trouble. Yeah, what do you mean? When you you I, understand I, that because you spend time in it more than I do. What yeah, do you I mean, I I think that a lot of companies are going to look at that massive line item of what they're paying for office space and <clears throat> and rethink how much space that they need if they need any at all. I, I think there's companies that are going to gonna have figured this remote thing out and have thrived i think companies that were distrusting of employees are going to see that their employees are able to produce in a remote fashion um and that they're you know comfortable and and enjoy you know being home and more productive maybe they don't do away with an office presence entirely but maybe people are like two days a week in the office three days a week at home or something like that and kind of rotate so people don't need as much as much space but I, I think some in big cities in particular like san francisco new york la uh even austin which has got kind of increased uh, commercial real estate prices like i think they're in big trouble man i, I think uh, commercial real estate vacancies are gonna are gonna go up quite a bit you know but i i think yes and no but there's also something to the recruiting factor of having an office right there's a like you know, do people, while people can work from home and they do like it, I do think people miss going to the office too. I think right? the only reason they miss going to the office right now is because they can't go anywhere else. Look, if, if, you, if you open everything back up to normal, 
right? Why does somebody really need to go to the office? They don't. The only thing that they're missing right now is human connection and freedom, right? Mm -hmm. So if they can go to the coffee shop, go see their friends, go do whatever the heck they normally do in their, in their regular lives. I don't know, man. I, I, I think, I think a lot of people are going to be like, no, I'm not going back to the office. I'm not doing the, my hour drive each direction. No way. Yeah. I could see, I, I still see, I see the cities like New York and San Francisco. I, I don't know. I, I, I believe it. I, I get it. But there's a part of me that thinks you still need that, that presence. And you're right. It could be a smaller footprint. Of course, anybody who's tied to a longer lease, you know, anybody who just signed a new lease in January for seven years, yeah. you know, they're not getting out of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. so what is that? Does that mean more offices convert to a WeWork style? Maybe. Yeah. It's it, it definitely, definitely possible. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you know, you, some of these companies who have just signed five to 10 year leases for a big space, maybe they, maybe they just uh, sublease. Right. And you got end up having three or four companies sharing one big space as opposed to, you know, one company trying to fill the whole thing out. Um, what about let's dive into our world, though. So, you know, you and I come from a, a predominantly inside sales world. We like the buzz. We like the culture of that. We like the celebrations of winning. We like the recognition. Right. Uh, yes, it can be done remotely. And I do think more salespeople should be allowed to do it remotely. As, you know, as long as they hit the number, right? But do you think you're missing something by doing that? By saying, okay, we're going to just let our sales team be remote. Like, what have you learned through this, working with clients, talking to people? Um, do you think it really doesn't matter as much as we used to think it does? I think it's mattering less and less. I really do. I mean, you, we come from an era where making 100 dials every single day was the norm. And there was a buzz. Right. I mean, the last gig that I was at, there wasn't a huge buzz. People are making like 20 or 30 calls a day. It's so much more is automated and done via email or, <clears throat> or LinkedIn and what have you. Um, I, I think that that, that need for the buzz and the, like, you know, the hum of like, a, almost like a boiler room is like, I don't think people need it as much, you know? Um, my, I'm working, I'm working right now with the sales team and, um, we closed a low to mid figure, six figure deal today, you know, and we spent time as a sales team on zoom, like talking through it, congratulating, you know, the people that closed it, we broadcast it across, um, you know, the whole company using Slack and, and, um, you know, hoopla and, and, and whatnot. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think the reward was there, the interaction was there, the support was there. So I, I'm, I don't think so, man. I don't think that, um, it's going to, it's going to go back to the way it is. I think sales teams are going to have go prove once and for all that they don't fully, they don't need to be babysat anymore. You know, and we were the last ones that it felt like kind of forced to go into the office all the time. And I think those people who produced, they're going to have earned the right to, to not have to do that. You know? Yeah. It's interesting too. Cause as you say that it's like not forcing them to be babysat. And it's interesting because every company I work with where they have a field sales team or an outside sales team, they get this excuse of, well, you know, they're outside sales reps. Don't expect them to have strong CRM engagement. Don't expect mm -hmm. them to do these things. Right. Yeah. If you're in the office and you have strong CRM engagement, 
you get slapped on the wrist for, you know, not assigning the right code to, you know, the lead, right. whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like really like, you know, why wouldn't you do that to a field rep? So I, I, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Cause I, I think, I think the field reps are going to, I think that's a big thing too, is that traditional outside sales reps are, are going by the wayside. They have been for a long time now, yeah. but it's becoming more and more. I mean, it's going to accelerate yep. now the rate yep. of uh, extinction perhaps, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, mean, I think why, it's, why do you got to, why do you got to put this rep on the plane to fly to London to go close the deal? Well, that, but what's also part of it too is that the buyer has now been forced to experience this on Zoom and, and they've avoided that level of discomfort, right? Of not doing electronic or not doing this. And now they get it and they kind of realize, like, wait a minute, I don't need to take all this time out of my day, right? Yeah. I think it'll be interesting for the, you know, what I would call the old school, you know, the people who, where you do take people out golfing and whining and dining and doing those kinds of things, like, I hear, I've heard less and less about it um, in a lot of ways. And I've seen it being adopted by inside sales in a different way. But I wonder how much more that's going to happen. Right. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I think some of the industries are getting, <clears throat> there's a forcing function now that's accelerating their adjustment to what's going on. Like the car industry, for example, you know, they've, they've resisted, for the most part, um, you know, the bringing technology into into the marketplace where they you can make the whole entire car purchase online. Like, yeah, there's Carvana and things like that. But I'm talking about the, you know, the old standard auto mall, right? Where like on the side of the highway is you know 50 car dealerships and all that, you know. Um, and there's technology in place, a digital retailing technology that's bringing virtual showrooms and what have you um, into the process. Um, so I, I can see car dealerships and all of their, their huge footprint and, and acreage that they, that they hold. Um, I can see less of a need for that. You know, I don't, I don't know that they're going to need as many staff there. The process will be sped up. Um, people are not going to want to go spend an entire afternoon going to a car dealership, spending four hours trying to sign paperwork and, you know, deal with that, that whole process and deal with the salespeople. They don't want to do that anymore. <clears throat> and, I, and I think that this type of thing is forcing them to come to terms with this uh, stuff. Hopefully it, it, it works that way in the real estate space as well. You know? Yeah. So. What, um, so you, you've been a part of two industries in the last couple of years. Um, I know more recently on the car dealership side, but also on the real estate side. Right. And, you know, your mind, I think, is definitely capable of creating the disruption around massive amounts of manual paperwork, right? Like that's, that's, is that in essence what you're talking about with car dealerships and real estate? Yeah, um, just, it's just simplifying the process and, and they, they all use these antiquated tools. They're not em embracing technology whatsoever. You know, when you go buy a house, you, you literally have like a thousand documents that have been printed. There's absolutely no reason whatsoever other than these industries being afraid of changing and, and just being kind of stuck in their ways that that has to, that has to happen. 
and, and now I'm getting a lot of exposure to it on the automotive side of, of the house. But that's, it's part of what I look for, to be honest with you. Like mm -hmm. I look for industries that are ripe for, for change um, and disruption. You know, these, these big, huge, massive, entangled industries that just look like a beast to try to, you know, take down. Um, I, I kind of look for those things and try to find like a little Achilles heel, a little, a way in, so to speak, you know, to start being a, being a pesk, right? Mm -hmm. And start trying to change the process um, little by little, little by little. I think these are, these are some of the companies that will, you know, I hope some of the companies that end up doing really well and, and win big, you know, I was a part of a commercial real estate um, company over the last few years that had an exit and they were doing, you know, exactly this, this type of thing, you know, bringing it, bringing the commercial real estate process into the modern age. So, um, yeah, it's part of what I, part of what I'm at, what I'm at least, what I look for. And I like, I like doing. Yeah. What, um, where else do you think there's going to be disruption? Do you see it in the banking? Do you see it in, um, I definitely yeah. think banking, banking is, is one that, uh, could make sense. Um, <clears throat> man, the insurance industry for sure is, is yep. one financial, the financial industry, like financial advisors and, and things like that. Wealth management portfolios. Well, that's um, been happening already. I, yeah. you know, do you think I just think, I just think it's going to speed up. I, I see this as a forcing function for all, all these things are happening anyway. I just see it as a forcing function function. That's going to make everybody, you know, yeah do these things sooner than they otherwise might have wanted to. Here, here's a, here's something I was thinking about today and it might be counterintuitive. So I'm curious to hear what you think. I think when, when things stabilize and go back to quote unquote normal, um, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people who willingly decide to change jobs because they'll have been dissatisfied with, um, how their company handled this thing or pay cuts that they had to take or, or what have you. So I'm envisioning like not just the current, you know, group of unemployed people who come back onto the market and tons of strong talent out there. I think there's a lot of people who are going to be like, well, I rode that out. I am out of here and I'm going to go find something bigger, better, faster, stronger that cares about people more. What do you, what do you think? I was thinking about that today. I think it'll be more generational, right? Um, I think that people will be more open to the new opportunities that exist, but the still the same human aspect of the risk of something new versus something stable to the extent that, look, if you and I are 20 something and we're single and, you know, I don't have a mortgage and two kids and, you know, that kind of stuff, it's a little easier for you and I to do that. Um, I mean, you know, but you know, now you've come into this world where you and I have kids and we're married and, you know, if we were going in back into a traditional sales world, people still, what people crave is stability. So I think there will be a percentage of people who are really like, I'm out of here. Right. But the ones who stayed, the ones who, who made it hopefully will have performed from a sales perspective and, and will still be, you know, performing and, they may not want to go and have to rebuild their territory at a new place, right? Everything's been consolidated. Everything's come in. I'm not saying it won't happen. I think it'll be generational. Um, and I do think some people will leave, 
But I also don't think that when this new normal hits, all the jobs start happening again. Everybody turns the water on slowly, right? Yeah. Um, because yeah. they're going to even, here's what I even think will happen. They'll be like, okay, everybody, you can go back to work. Fantastic. But that doesn't mean the CFO is going to start approving all these tools that you didn't have. They're not going to approve the outreach, sales loft, course, gong, exec vision tools. They're going to be, well, let's give it six more weeks. Let's make sure we're not getting pushed back into this thing through round two, where we have to go through this again, where that doesn't work. Now, granted, those tools are the exception. Those are the ones yeah. that you would want in this world. But that's, I think socially, everybody's ready to go back to normal. Uh, economically, it just, it just does, the economy just doesn't turn on that way, right? Mm. Um, you know, it just, it, certain things will and certain things won't, right? Um, so, for example, look at it this way. From what I know, all television and movie production is halted, completely halted, right? Now, they've delayed releases of movies. But if all of a sudden we can start going back to work and being, you know, socialization, it's still going to take three to six to nine months for something to get built, made. Yeah. A, little, a, little big, a little bit of a lag, maybe. Yeah, there's a lag there, much like that in the entertainment industry. And I think that's what the real economy is going to look like other than things like uh, grocery stores, um, restaurants, those things will be much more immediate, right? Everybody's going to need a waiter or a waitress, a hostess, right? Um, travel will be faster than uh, things, but not as fast as like a restaurant, right? People yeah. are still going to be hesitant to travel. So that, that's how I see it. Um, and so I, th I think some people will change. I don't think it's going to be this mass exodus though, like you, like you're predicting. Yeah, I think, it, I think, it, I think it will be pretty significant. I don't know if I use the word mass exodus, but I think it'll be pretty significant. But really you think that, so if even, so if the company keeps me because I'm performing and I stick through it, <laughs> granted they probably fumbled a little bit in the beginning, right? They didn't, Oh, it depends how it depends how they how they fumbled. Did they right. did they callously let go of a lot of people you cared about? Did they ask you to take a twenty to thirty percent pay cut? Did they you know um, I don't know. But that's what it took, man. Like in, in fairness, there's no playbook for this. No, I, 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 I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just. I think that people, not at the top. I think people underneath people at the top will be like, okay. I, I stayed here. I, I did the smart thing and, and kept my stability. But like now that this is over, everybody, you know, is kind of coming back out of the woodwork to hire. I'm going to see what else is out there because, you know, I took one on the chin here. Nobody's repaying me all that money that I, that I lost. If I can go get it somewhere else, I'm going to go get it. Well, I, that's I, fair. I'm, I'm, that's I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of these conversations over the last few weeks. A, a lot and uh you know there's a lot of people that are just sort of strapping themselves to the mass so to speak and uh you know just kind of riding out the storm and then when it when it when it comes i would not be surprised if a lot of people start looking to uh to move around but those people will be looking to move around anyway right because they already would be at that place right? i don't think they, they wouldn't be at that place if this wouldn't have happened they could have they could still be maxing out their compensation plan. 
They could still already be, they still don't like their boss. Like, be, believe me, there's, there's lots of things that, that go into the same, what you're suggesting is the people are going to leave for the same reason they've always left. They leave a boss. They don't like who was in charge. Now, to your point, to use your word, this is just accelerating that extinction of that bad leadership. Maybe, but it, I, I don't know if they'll, I don't know, man. There's a difference between like being a little bit disgruntled and, and moving on in time and like watching how <clears throat> the company, not your boss, your boss probably didn't even have a, a say so. Let's be honest. Like unless your boss is the CEO. Um, but I think, I think it's very different if, if you're at some of these companies that have laid off, like imagine you're, you work at Yelp, you're a Yelp, you know, director of sales or something right now, right? Like it has fired 1100 people, right? And, and people probably took pay cuts and whatnot. Like if, if you stayed there through all that, are, are you going to, are you going to stick around and be like, okay, you know, we, we survived, I'm good. Or are you going to be like, dude, we just had to whack all these people. I lost income. I just realized how fragile this particular market and industry is, right? Like, I can't, we can't survive this kind of thing. What if the, what if this virus comes back? Like, I got to get out of X industry. I don't like the way I was treated. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm much more, I care less about job security than you do, though. <laughs> <laughs> but we should talk about that actually you know um but i think that but that's also what a company has to do to survive right like it respectfully does it because you and i both agree to this is like look at some point i gotta go like i it's not about the company it's about me i need to go get a new challenge i need to go make more money and you know that's the same decision a company's making uh, just at a larger scale. And it doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean that you can't. Um, well, I think the larger, I think the larger problem perhaps is that some of these com companies put themselves in this particular predicament. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and, and that's the risk you run when running a business. It's like t maxing out your credit cards, right? It's like max believing that you're going to hit this number, right? has to do, you know, to some extent it has to do with Wall Street and the valuations required these days. So, so, you know, I'm torn on it, right? Like, and, and I'm, look, you know me, I'm not, a, it's not like I'm a, 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 you know where I stand politically. Um, we'll just leave it there. But there's, you know, it go it cuts both ways, man. Like, but you and I've also said, look, and, and believe me, all this risk averse stuff, you know, I got to call bullshit on you because I'm way more into taking risk than you ever are. It took on, me some, on some, on some things for sure. Yeah. yeah. But job, job wise and bouncing around from, from company to company, I don't think so. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how it lays out. I, I, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we each have a different opinion on this one too. So it makes it less yeah. boring. So everybody, everybody who listens to this episode should reach out to us and share their, their comments. Yeah, and uh, differences and talk about, there's one thing we talked about. You talked about it heavily at, at our last surf and sales in Costa Rica, the difference between job security and employment security, right? So give people sort of an idea of what that means to you and how does that shift now given this current state of the world? 
Well, I, I think it um, has never been more more meaningful or, or more like um, more pronounced. Right? I mean, job security means you are comfortable existing in the role that you're in and, and staying there for the foreseeable future. Whereas employment security means no matter what happens to you in your particular role, you'll be able to find another job in that kind of role in perpetuity. Um, and I, I think job security is, is what has been the traditional um, way to think about things. I can remember my parents being like, why do you want to go to sales? There's no job security in there, right? <clears throat> and, and things like that. Um, but what they didn't realize is that as long as sales exists as a career function, um, you're always going to be able to get an, another, another gig. That's it. If you're good at it. If you're good at it. Yeah. If you're good at it, for sure. For sure. For sure. You know, job security is like you're, you're confident in your company, you're confident in your role, and you're standing in it. And, you know, that gives you kind of peace of mind where, where you're going to be able to remain there, you know, exactly where you are kind of indefinitely. But I think that has become less and less attractive to people in the job market. Um, I think a lot of people like me are, are sort of like growth addicts now. We're addicted to like growing and pushing ourselves and challenging ourselves. And, you know, in, employment security is much more about, you know, confidence in yourself and your reputation and your network and your skill set and feeling like no matter what happens in my current job, like, oh, well, I'll easily be able to find a new one of similar or equal or even greater, greater value um, no matter where I go. Um, and I, I think that's, I think it, that's becoming more, more pronounced. Like I said, I think people recognize employment security more as like a, a real thing and almost as more critical than a particular job. What do you, do you remember a moment in your career where you realize that, where you're like, Oh, I don't have to worry about job security quite so much. I can now understand employment security. Yeah. I mean, certainly after, I think after, um, you know, I think I'd been a VP of sales four times. Um, <clears throat> I was like, okay, I've done this multiple times now. I've done it pretty well slash good all those times. Um, you know, kind of, I think I'll have no problem getting another one of these kind of gigs. Um, and that, and that, and that was, that was definitely like a clear moment in time. Um, for me, you know, and I, I feel that way um, about what I'm doing now, right? Like, you know, I, I feel confident that I'm, that I'm doing good in, in, in my own businesses and, and, uh, and whatnot, but I'm like, what's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that can happen is, you know, things take a downturn and I, and I, you know, don't do this anymore and I have to go find another like head of sales role, right? Okay, so I'll go find a head of sales role. Right. That's employment security. Like I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to stress about like losing my job as somebody who's running my own business because I feel like it's going to be really easy for me to go get a, a head of sales. So, so let's say there are some people out there, right. And, um, you know, they are good sales reps, right. Maybe they're not the, you know, look, you and I both love sort of 
B to B plus and C plus players because we know how to motivate those people to get better, right? Yeah. So that maybe they're not the A pluses and, you know, they unfortunately get laid off during this time. What advice would you give to those people to help them grasp that concept of, hey, wait a minute, you've got employment security. You they know, do. I mean, once, once, once things kind of normalize, they'll, they should have no problem getting hired again. So what they should, what they should be doing right now is they should be working on their skill set, whether that's listening to podcasts like this or, or reading books uh, or attending virtual events and trainings and, se and seminars. All of those things are free, right? You're not, you don't have to spend any money on that kind of stuff whatsoever. And you should do whatever you have to do right now to pay your bills and, and, and feed your family, like, you know, with, with no, with no shame. Um, and when this thing turns around, I don't see any reason why people would have a difficult time kind of getting back on the horse and getting, getting hired again. And I I'd even take it a step further and say, this is the perfect time to be growing your network. You know, you should be networking like crazy, right? You, you, if you're a sales rep, you should be connecting and interacting with like, everybody who's in a sales leadership role in your city and in your town, like literally every single person, you know, if you're, if you're a sales leader, you should be networking with like every founder and CEO that's out there and just trying to build and establish relationships. Even if these people can't, you know, hire you right now, um, they, maybe they can later on, maybe they can refer you later on offer up your services to them. I have a lot of people who have been reaching out to me saying, Hey man, I got some free time. I'd like to know a little bit about what you do. If you need any help on anything, you know, here I am. And I'm yeah. like, shit, that's smart. You know what I mean? I, I, I could use some help on this. I could use some help on that. Right. And now I know some of these people, you know, and I'm, I, I, now I'm super motivated to try to help them. Right. That that's smart. I think people should be doing more of that kind of, kind of thing and and uh that is setting themselves up to have employment security yep. you know yeah and it also the piece i like about that too is that and you and i've talked about this when we've gone through our own layoffs and stuff is that that connection every day of, of you know asking for the unsolicited connection on linkedin you know literally saying hey i'm not soliciting you i'm not going to sell you i just want to connect getting those connections yeah. feels good you feel yeah. like you've accomplished something today for sure right? and that that to me i think is the hard part for people is what are these little things that you can control that you can't yeah. accomplish yeah how many like how many net new relationships did you start today yep, yep. that's 100 percent within your control yep um so yeah so it's, it's interesting i i used to think when you know years and years ago when you and i were getting to know each other you know i think there was a period where we were both unemployed at the same time. And in some cases we might be applying to the same gig. <laughs> right. Do you remember that? I'm trying to think that that must've been like before I went to main street hub. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, so it was, it was interesting because I had to think differently because I needed to uh, prove my worth without bashing my friend. Right. Um, and so that's sort of how I tell people to think about it. That's what you're doing right now. You got to prove your worth and don't burn a bridge. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that, I think that's interesting in, in how you put that. So, all right, man. Well, I know we're, I know we're at the end of this one. Yeah. Um, so this is always a fun one to, to just riff on something. So this was a good topic and I enjoyed it, man. Yeah.
It's good. It's good. We'll see how right or wrong some of our predictions are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'll see. Have to see if I even. I'll probably be going. Did I really say that? Like yeah. that's my worst part. So. All, all you, all you got to do is shout loud enough that you never said that, and you just like the president. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just control the narrative. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Yeah. All right, brother. See you later. Later.